I'm good. Thanks for asking. <laughs> You're very cold. I'm freezing. <laughs> I'm so cold. I want to make some hot cocoa. Uh -huh, yeah, fall setting in here in uh, in Southern California. You want me to tell you what the uh, temperature is right now? I'm cold. It's um, there is nothing that the current temperature has anything to do with me being cold right now. Okay. It is uh, 71 outside I'm currently. Cold. <laughs> I've been wrapped up in a blanket wearing a hoodie. I've got socks on inside. Ew. Who does that? I don't. Hello, and welcome to Chronically Olympus, the podcast in which my co-host and I discuss the Percy Jackson and the Olympian series, chapter by chapter. And today, we are discussing chapter 11 of The Lightning Thief. This chapter is called, We Visit the Garden Gnome Emporium. I am Uncle Ferdinand, also known as Kristen, and this is my co-host. What is a statue of a bear? statue of a bear? No, hanging out. Yeah, just chilling. chilling. Yep. All right. Also known as Chris. You're really there to, to catch Grover when he falls. Yep, that's the goal <laughs> with my face. Yep. You're good at that. Mm -hmm. We really rely on you for these things. Feels good to be relied on. Yep. Needed, even. Yep. You know? All right. How are you, Kristen? I am well. It's been a minute since we recorded because we're still doing the whole life thing. Um, you know, living. I mean, it's better than the alternative. Well, that's what I've been told. But have you tried the alternative? Uh, no. Well, then. How can you actually make a statement about it? Well, I mean, unless you subscribe to the idea that, like, death is just kind of like what it was before you were born. And so, like, in that case, I have tried the alternative for billions of years yep <laughs> anyway so, so very what is the thing pompous to think that we know anyway yeah. continue <laughs> <laughs> just sit. these are my introspective thoughts about existence when i have hot cocoa <laughs> this really brings it's it out a, doesn't it's it? such a thinking drink <laughs> it's a thinking buddy it really is Cool. Uh, anyway, yeah, life and stuff. We've been planning for uh, for Halloween. Ah, yes. Big deal. Spooky day. <laughs> spooky day, as big, I like uh, to call it. Big spooky day adherence. <laughs> uh, if you at, at this point so far in the series, if you were to dress up as a character from the books, what would your costume be? Uh, uh a broken magic baseball cap. I'd wear it, but you'd still be able to see me. <laughs> Clever. Yep. Feel like, well, my magic item got broke. <laughs> I'd just be sad. Yep. I'd be Chiron in human form, but that seems like, seems like I might be insensitive. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. I could get a little wheelchair with a little umbrella on the back, though. Yeah. That sounds so fun. Yep. Uh, anyway, how do we start this podcast, Kristen? We uh, talk about our insensitive Halloween costumes. Um, we banter and then we do our summaries of the chapter so uh as we go through the chapter we kind of create a little bullet point summary and chris does his in metaphors and themes and i do mine in a very rote and uh calculated way very academic <laughs> academic uh-huh that's a good word for it sure all right so let's go with you you first all right uh so and in no particular order here is my summary 
Now they don't even have a hundred bucks. Grover is officially a bard. <laughs> How are they getting food at the snack bar with no money? Is Grover's uncle secretly a bull? A what? Bull. Like a, the animal? Yeah. It's a reference to Ferdinand the bull. Oh. Are you familiar? No. Okay. It's an old Spanish story that Disney made into a movie in like the 30s. Okay. And then they remade in 2017. But, Did they? Yeah. Huh. But yeah, it's bull. Bull named Ferdinand. It's a thing. Not, uh, not, anyway. not familiar personally. <laughs> uh, Percy is a terrible liar. Keeping track of blood feuds must be exhausting. Oh, yeah. Annabeth is the wizard and Percy's a paladin. Okay. We'll discuss that more. Uh, You're putting your D&D party together. Yep. We have an address for Hades. (laughs) Why are there so many gnomes? I know, right? (laughs) Why? (laughs) That we'll address. Uh, But that's, that's mine. All right. Here's my very short uh, bullet point summary. Uh-huh. No money. No path. Smell food. Auntie M's Garden Gnome Emporium. It's Medusa. They kill her. Percy mails her head to the gods after a brief argument with Annabeth. Close chapter. Wow. I can tell Kristen's got a lot to say about this chapter. Um, <laughs> so going into this, I will say that um, so far this is probably my least favorite chapter of the book. Yeah. Because it feels it feels so much like filler. Yes, but that's but when you read any of the of the stories in Greek mythology, it's like here's this big quest we're gonna go on, we're gonna yeah. go adventure, and it is every single chapter is a new monster. You know, it's like yeah, I guess in the meta narrative, like it does make sense with the idea of uh, yeah of myth yeah happening. Um, cool. Myth, it's happening. You know. <laughs> So they've escaped the bus where they got attacked by the Furies and then it got blown up, um, which we can blame the gods on, which is a nice part about being a, uh, you know, in this world of demigods and monsters, you can just I blame do, the gods I do really things. like that first that first paragraph because uh-huh. I really feel like the tone of it um, is is showing a little bit of a change, in, or, or not necessarily a change, but like a first insight into Percy's actual like feelings about this because it reflects back to the first chapter. When Percy's like, if you think you might be a half-blood, stop reading. It's safer if you don't know. You uh-huh. know, like that intro paragraph of yeah. the book. We don't get a lot of that attitude from Percy so far up until the intro to this chapter. Yeah. And here at chapter 11 when he says, the, the first paragraph, in a way, it's nice to know that there are Greek gods out there because you have somebody to blame when things go wrong for instance when you're walking away from a bus that's just been attacked by monster hags and blown up by lightning and it's raining on top of everything else most people might think they're that's just really bad luck when you're a half-blood you understand that some divine force really is trying to mess up your day yeah and i read that and my first thought on that uh paragraph was that it came off as very like inner monologue dresdeny yeah uh which made me think uh well obviously dresden is very steeped in the traditions of like noir and like uh you know detective stories and film noir and that kind of thing uh and so i'm starting to get more of the impression that this is like a weird noir take on greek mythology (laughs) which is fun well i mean but like 
I'd I'd say that there's there's a difference between noir and like urban fantasy, and this is very much taking Greek myth and turning it into urban fantasy. Thing. Yes, but with like the the very kind of uh, self-effacing inner monologue stuff as yeah. the tone of the book is like. Yeah, but I would say that's not necessarily the tone of the book. Like I'm saying, this chapter is when we finally get back to the introductory tone. Yeah. Like, when Percy says, I'm starting this story, this is his little touchback to frame frame story, like, monologue, if that makes sense. Because yeah. the intro couple paragraphs feels like the beginning of a frame story where he's, he's sitting there reflecting on what happened and going to tell us this story. Yeah. And this is the first moment we've come back to touch on that, like, future Percy looking back. Yeah. Well, I think it's a... I, I, I will have to read more of it to really, like, be able to put more it, put it in more descriptive terms. But I think it's a refreshing voice for, I mean, I guess we could call this YA fiction. Like, it's aimed at, like, middle schoolers. Yeah. So, I mean. YA fiction you, is technically uh, aimed at anybody all the way up until the age of 24. Yeah. So. Um, that being said. It uh, is YA. It's not children. Yeah especially compared to like a lot of the other more popular series in the YA genre like this one does have a unique voice to it where like I feel like a lot of them uh starting in I don't know I'm old now uh when did the Hunger Games come out because the Hunger Games started it started oh what is the argument that the Hunger uh, Games started? No, that there's a trend of, of I mean, there's like five different series which basically follow the exact same Hunger Games formula, like Divergent and all those other kind of things. Uh, but there's this trend of like the main character of being like, oh, I'm dark and broody and like this is why my life sucks and like I'm going to, you, you mean know, like it's... Oliver Twist? You mean like series of unfortunate events? Like, yeah. you mean like Treasure Island? None of those are first-person narrative stories. Okay. And that's, I don't but know. But they're still, they're still, like, dark and broody. There yeah. are still moments of just, like, dread. Yeah. I mean, I'm, never mind. My... No, 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 no. Like, <sighs> there is, the, I, I think the point that you're trying to make is that there's very much this kind of, um... There's still a lightheartedness to it. My point is that I like the voice the book is written in so far. I will have to read more of the series to actually put words, more words, more words better, good. <laughs> uh, I will actually read more of the series in order to actually like frame it in a better way as to what I think is, is interesting and well-written about it. However, I'm trying to compliment the author. Okay. That's, that, is, that is my whole point. Okay. But like the current zeitgeist... <sighs> For, like, yes. the last 20 years of YA fiction. Yeah. When it comes to involving anything from mythology. Uh-huh. Is very much uh, in that Hunger Games and Divergent and in this kind of, like, twilight thing. Like, uh-huh. it, there, there was... It, it became a meme, basically, in young adult fiction to go into that side of things. Yeah. And this has what more of the lightheartedness that you want coming into a story that's got some of this intensity yeah i mean that being said uh i would say i mean a common criticism a lot of these books is that like the the main characters are mary sue's or like you know 
the I think the best way I ever described it was somebody talking about Twilight being like the main characters are really comfortable pair of pants that anybody can just put on and wear around the house. Yeah, it's like there it's it is meant to be a one size fits all. Like I can see myself in that. Yeah, and I would say I think Percy has a bit more personality than that. Mm, yeah, and like is an actual character. Yeah, so so for a first person thing, you like the fact that it's got a character. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, so they're, they've left the bus. They're wandering through the woods, uh, talking about kind of what happened back there. And then uh, Annabeth and Percy kind of have a moment where they're just like, well, I don't hate you. Uh, thanks for saving me, et cetera, et cetera. Percy you were actually, an idiot for trying to come back and save me. Yeah. But, That's what she says. Yeah, but Percy gives Annabeth a compliment, like, which is big of him. Um they handle that of, knife really well. Yeah. But yeah, cetera, we do we do reveal a little bit of Annabeth's fear uh-huh. that this is her only chance at an adventure and that if Percy messes this up, she's never going to get another chance. And she has a very deep-seated fear about that. This is also the first time she reveals that she's actually left the camp besides visiting her dad and going on like field trips to Olympus. Mm-hmm. Like she... She has never gotten to get out of the camp. Yeah. And she doesn't think she's ever going to. And she's... She wants... I mean, it's about self-discovery. Because she says, this is where you learn whether you're any good or not. Like, this is about... Oh, yeah. She wants to learn. She wants... She she can't compare herself to anything. She can't know that she's good just because she's better at camp than three other people. Yeah. Like, she needs to know that she's good at what she does. Also... um, we see a lot of we we see an insight into Annabeth's insecurities here uh-huh. that she's that she's afraid that she's gonna lose this that this is her chance and that she's holding Percy up a lot being like if you mess this up this is my only chance yeah you know and so you need to get off the bus now we'll figure it out don't come back for us kind of attitude yeah. because she doesn't want to lose this chance yeah. Uh, but what was funny on the bus? Yes. So she don't get to find this. Yeah. She starts to say that there was something funny on the bus. Uh Uh-huh. And then it stops. Like, then Grover interrupts as he finds finds his pipe that he still has and it still works. And he really wishes he could remember a Find Path song. Yeah. Grover's a bard. Yes. Party support. Except that he's a really bad bard because he can't remember his... He's, he's like a level zero bard. He hasn't even learned his first cantrip yet. Oh, he's got flying shoes. That counts for something. That's a magic item. <laughs> so, uh, and he does get better at those in this chapter. Yep. So, effectively uses them pretty well. Effectively, that's a terrible sentence. Effectively anyway, uses them pretty This is what well. happens when we don't record for a couple weeks. I forget how to talk. Yeah. <laughs> this is the only talking that you, that Chris yep, does I, I in all of his life, just in yep. case you were unclear. His job doesn't require any Never. talking. We don't talk at all. Nope. This is the only time that his vocal cords get any exercise. After recording, he can't he can't even make sounds. His voice cracks for, like if he tries. <laughs> anyway, so Grover's uh, an You've ineffective... forgotten how to academically analyze a book. Yep. Grover's an ineffective bard. Maybe he'll level up at some point. Um, anyway, so they wander through the woods a bit until they start smelling something that's real tasty. Um, smells like not fried... according to 
the one who eats tin cans. Yeah. <laughs> smells like monsters to yeah. him. Yes. Uh, however, Percy thinks it smells really good. And he's and he realizes it's been a while since he had any unhealthy food. Yeah. Because all they eat at camp is healthy. <laughs> and he really wants a burger. And I relate so hard. I mean, I, 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 I see that, but then also, like, I, I, I read this passage and was just like, that's how old I'm getting, where he's just like, I'd arrived at Half-Blood Hill where we lived on grapes, bread, cheese, and extra lean cut and prepared barbecue. And I read that and I was just like, what's wrong with that? Yeah, what is <laughs> wrong with that? Bread, cheese, barbecue, grapes. Yep. <laughs> I'd live on that for a while. Yeah. <laughs> um, Especially if I didn't have to pay for it. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Uh, and then they stumble upon a uh, kind of a deserted area of road where there's like, a, you know, obviously has fallen into disrepair. There's a billboard for a 1990s movie. So, you know, at this point, uh, 10, 15 years old, I think, because we're this was released in 2005. And I think it's supposed to be current year. Uh, and it wasn't a fast food restaurant. However, it was a little catchy roadside stand. Yep. The kind that... Uh, if anybody's ever driven through New Mexico, you see one every three quarters of a mile, or at least a billboard for one. <laughs> yeah, there's a billion of these things. All um, your all your Route 66 areas, yeah. all your petrified forests, all your yeah. yeah. Uh, in in the South, same especially same exact tchotchkes at every single one. Yeah, especially going through like Georgia or the Carolinas, it's fireworks stands. Uh, yeah, fireworks stands everywhere. Uh, but yeah. One of these, like, dime a dozen roadside things that sell statuary and, like, you know, random crap tourists are going to buy. And the sign says, At New Mesknurn Gaman Miproim. It was a V. It was Gaman, not Gaman. No, that's Gaman. (laughs) Unless your book spells it differently. I gotta look it up now. (laughs) Gadaren... Gomen, Gomen. Yeah, you're right. Yep. So the sign says that, uh, at least to Percy and Annabeth, but then go Grover translates, and it's just like... It's Auntie M's. You darn kids. It's Auntie M's Garden Emporium. Fun. Uh, and it's a... Uh, There's some really happy gnomes waving. There are. It's a place that sells statuary. Yep. Cool. Lights are on. Which I definitely read Statuary as Sanctuary the first time, and it was only the second time it appeared in the chapter before I realized I had read it wrong. Yeah. And they get excited about a snack bar, because uh, obviously we're hungry. We've lost all our money. How are we going to pay for snacks? I don't know. We're going to think of our feet and come up with a plan. Uh, And we start... Annabeth would like that. Percy doesn't care. He doesn't need a plan. (laughs) He's going to walk up and say, we're poor lost circus performers. (laughs) Uh, like I said, Percy is a terrible liar. Uh, they walk in. Grover is really apprehensive because he like smells monsters somewhere. Uh, also passes a statue that looks exactly like his Uncle Ferdinand. Yep. Cool. He has an Uncle Ferdinand. Uh, we learn that Grover's vegetarian. Fun Grover fact. Yep. He eats cheese enchiladas and tin cans. Yeah. And aluminum foil. Yeah. Vegetarian. Yeah, Those, I like I like it when when he says he's a vegetarian and Percy's like, "You eat cheese enchiladas 
and aluminum foil. And he says, and those are vegetables. I wasn't going to touch on because I was going to share that as my favorite sentence later. So, (laughs) oh, well, you've spoiled my favorite sentence for me. Um, But the door gets open and is answered by what we presume is a Middle Eastern woman because she's wearing a full, uh, I'm going to name the clothing item wrong, hijab, burqa, what is the one that covers the face entirely? Uh, it's a burqa, is the right. one that covers the face entirely with the mesh over the eyes. However, that would also cover the hands, and we see the skin on her hands. Yeah, uh, and Percy looks at those hands, and just like, I bet she was an attractive lady once. And I'm just like, that's a weird thought. Does he say that? <laughs> yeah. He, he said, her coffee-colored hands looked old, but well-manicured and elegant, so I imagine she was a grandmother who had once been a beautiful lady. That's interesting. Yeah. She's like, just by looking at those hands, I bet she used to be hot. That's fascinating. <laughs> yeah. So, I thought that was an interesting thought for Percy. Yeah, to have. that is a weird. <laughs> but anyway, um, and she's just like, Ermagerd, why are you children out here? What's 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 up with this? And they're like, well, we're orphans, obviously. This is our cover story. We're orphans, and Percy immediately jumps in, being like, uh, oh, we got separated from our circus caravan. Completely believable lie. Yep. Um, though though I would say it is believable in a meta sense of, like, this is the kind of, like, dumb crap a 12-year-old would come up with. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like, oh, no, we're circus performers. They got separated from our troupe. Cool. Yeah. Not, for sure not like oh hey our car broke down three miles down the road and our parents are getting gas and they sent us here yeah not that um anyway <clears throat> so obviously they're starving orphans they don't have any money auntie M, not a problem for her she's just like all right please go back to the dining area which obviously roadside statue emporium they all have dining areas well yeah <laughs> And they pass through this warehouse full of uh, various kinds of statues and whatnot and head right back into, like, the dining hall, which has uh, all sorts of stuff. A grill, soda fountain, pretzel heater, nachos, cheese dispenser. We also have Percy in the uh, omniscient future version of him narrating say, I, I should have noticed that things were wrong. I should have noticed that she locked the door behind us. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. I should have noticed that we never told her Annabeth's name, but she knew Annabeth's name. Yeah, so weird stuff happens. Uh, She addresses Annabeth by name, talks about her eyes in kind of a creepy way. Uh, But then Auntie M goes and disappears and starts making them all sorts of food. So she comes back with a bunch of cheeseburgers and fries and milkshakes and and snacks like that. And extra, extra large fries. Yes, double XL. Yep. Okay, can't say super size. It's gonna, you know, we're gonna get sued. Uh, so it's double XL serving. Um, Grover thinks the uh, Trey's wax paper liner looks really good. Yep. Obviously, not a double cheeseburger fan. This is this is way before the day of the Beyond Burger. Yep, doesn't exist yet. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> he also doesn't volunteer to her that he's a vegetarian. Very true. Um, and then they keep noticing weird things like, oh, there's this weird hissing sound odd incongruous stuff like the name thing and like none of this feels right so far obviously this is uh this is a trap uh, i want to ask you though as as a reader um when when were you just like oh yeah dots medusa 
Uh, unfortunately, I didn't have the opportunity to not know because uh, Steve asked me if I had read the Medusa chapter yet. Steve is so terrible at, at <laughs> giving away spoilers, like he, completely unintentionally. He said, "Did you did you read the Medusa chapter yet?" Uh huh. Well, and, and so I didn't have the chance to not have that spoiled for me. So yeah. I I'm sorry. Okay. I knew I knew going into this that it was that because of Steve. Uh, love you, Steve, but you know you're bad at this. Um, <laughs> anyway. Uh, no, I think I got it. Um, I think I got it pretty early on. Like, this was the second time reading this chapter today. I was trying to remember two weeks ago when I first read this chapter. But once we, like, started talking about, like, the statues and its anti-ems and Poriam, I was just like, okay, yeah. Yeah. And it's, oh, uh, the I, first I time that going. they say the statues look weird, I would have figured out that it was Medusa. Yeah. I, I didn't figure out Auntie M uh, as a name for Medusa until they spelled it out in the chapter, though. Uh-huh. Even though I knew going in it was Medusa, I didn't go, oh, yeah, M. Yeah. Um, anyway, and they start talking about the statues and how uh, Auntie M makes all these things of, like, animals and people, custom orders, statuaries, you know, very popular, booming business. Uh, not as much since the highway was built and we don't get a lot of foot traffic going through here. Yeah. Um. And I also wanted to po- uh, pause there and say, uh, this is kind of why this might be my least favorite chapter so far in the book, because it just feels very contrived. Like, I get your point about the myth and, like, oh, there's a new monster, but, like, hey, we get off the bus, it gets attacked and blown up, and we wander through the woods, and then immediately... It's the equivalent of the shipwreck on an island, though. Yeah. That is very much what it is intended to be. Yeah. You get on your ship, you go on your quest, and then you get shipwrecked. Yeah. But and then- you come across a monster. But, like, we, we stumble immediately into Medusa's lair. Yeah. And I'm just like, eh, okay, sure. Yeah. They, they, they'd totally be attracted there. Okay, whatever. Um, they talk about how the statues are so incredibly detailed, but, oh, wait, there's something wrong with that one because that little girl looks terrified. Uh-oh. Well, obviously, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, Auntie M goes into uh, her tale of woe. About how, uh, you know, she's all alone now. She used to have a couple sisters that, you know, unfortunately are uh, are dead. There's some boyfriend drama that she had to deal with. All this kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, very much alluding to the legend of uh, the Gorgons here. Yeah. Which then Annabeth kind of explains more in detail later. Yeah. Once we're, once we're out, of, out of the woods, so to speak. Um, at this point, Annabeth and Grover really want to leave yeah they both know something's up percy's just like no totally on board loving auntie i'm loving the food loving everything about this yeah for sure so percy's being kind of like seduced here into like there's he, he's under some sort of magical influence yeah I'm there's sure. an allure there for sure yeah uh food I, you know yeah of course <laughs> mm, cheeseburgers uh and then auntie M wants to take them to get a photo taken yeah absolutely because why not? That's perfectly normal, right? Yeah. Like, uh, I'm going to feed you guys, and uh, before you leave, let's take a photo. I mean, she did feed them for free, and she does make statues, and she does say this that the faces are, are difficult. She's yeah. got a fully, she's she's built up a narrative here. Uh-huh. She's had practice. Go into that. Uh, Annabeth doesn't want to. Grover really doesn't want to. But Percy's just like, yeah, what's the harm? Let's just do it. And then they go, uh, and they start getting set up for a pose. We notice that Auntie M doesn't have a camera. 
that's fascinating, isn't it? Uh, uh, Grover uh, finally realizes, hey, that doesn't look like my Uncle Ferdinand. That is my Uncle Ferdinand over there in this statue. Yeah. Uh, and then that's the same time Annabeth is just like, yeah, no, snap out of it, shoves Percy to the ground. So he doesn't get to see the uh, the face reveal. Yep, for sure. Which which would have turned him into a statue here. Uh, then we have this whole lengthy reveal, like he was looking at the ground, and we hear hissing noises, and we see and Anne Anne hands. Don't know. NTM's hands, which now look all gnarled and, and, talons. and gross. She's with, got talons. With talons, much like the Furies. Everybody has talons. Yep. Uh, and then we have a little, uh, pretty drawn out fight scene. Yep. We hear Grover say the word to turn on his magic flying shoes. Yes. And he goes and flies off and Annabeth goes invisible and, and ducks away and yells at Percy not to look. Yeah. Um. I'll say we, we get to see Grover being much more effective here than he was in the, uh, in the bus. Yes. So like. Yes. So this is where Grover finally gets to be effective party member. He, he comes a long way from throwing tin cans at the Furies. Yeah. Uh, to, to now he is, uh, navigating by scent as he uh, uses his flying shoes to, uh, be a nuisance and, and. Yeah. And he gets Medusa a stick, a stick and basically beats her <laughs> blind. He closes his eyes and he uses his smell in his ears to beat her up with the stick and I think a big part of that is because he just faced his uncle Ferdinand as a statue. Like this yeah. got this got much more real to him than just like being chased by monsters to safety at the at the hill or in the bus. Uh-huh. He's actually seen one of his people, his family member, like the the impact that this woman had on them and so now he's gonna come and come and swing and this isn't just friends this is family now it's personal and uh this whole time medusa's ranting about you know why annabeth needs to die because like annabeth's mom did this to her it's athena's fault etc etc yep um which is why i put down like blood feuds must be exhausting to keep track of oh yeah because like for these for these like creatures and demigods and whatnot that like have stuff against people who like wronged them three thousand years ago, like think about how many kids Athena has. Think about how many you know sons of uh, freaking Hermes there are. Yeah. Like, do do all these monsters have like exhaustive lists of being like, oh my god, okay, there's a new kid. Hang on, if he have ever come across this one, really need to get back at him for. Yep this slight that this god did to me you know three millennia ago yeah just an endless that's exactly how it is yeah it's an endless petty cycle of revenge <laughs> cool uh forgiveness isn't a big thing no uh in greek myths uh anyway <clears throat> and then medusa tries to get in percy's head being like you know you know what's going to happen if you reach the underworld you're going to get killed the olympians are using you like don't be don't a, be their puppet. Don't be a pawn of them, um, which obviously she's trying to get into his head and and not die. But also, she's not really wrong here. True. <laughs> True. Like the Olympians are very much using him as a puppet in this scheme. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> very much. So maybe there maybe there's there's something in that he could take to heart. Uh, but anyway, Grover keeps beating her up. Uh, and then Annabeth acknowledges, like, hey, you should be the one to cut her head off. You've got a better weapon here. 
do that. Just, you know, don't look at her and be stupid. Yeah, you've got to go cut her head off without looking at her head. Look, look at her through the gazing ball conveniently. Gazing ball laying around. I mean, there's a few of them. Yeah. We did see her reflection in one already once. Yeah. In orange. This time we see it in green. What fun. Uh, takes Percy, up- Percy can only imagine that it must be, obsc- like, making her face look different because... She couldn't possibly look like that. No, of course not. Uh, it takes out a sword, ends up... Uh, and I was tr- I was trying to picture, like, how this scene plays out. So, like, is he approaching, like, backwards and looking in the, like, the gazing ball, like, her reflection's right there, and he's got, like, the sword out behind him? Or, like, is he looking through... Is it a transparent gazing ball that he's looking through it? Everything would be upside down then. I mean, that's an option. (laughs) What I saw it as was him holding it out, like, to his left. Uh Uh-huh. And and looking at what was on his right. Yeah. And walking with it like that. That's how I read it. Yeah. Uh, So I guess, and and it comes down to another one of these fights of, like, who would win here? Um, Millennia old monster who's been doing this forever and has encountered like dozens and dozens of heroes or three mostly blind children yeah um, <laughs> yeah the the fact that she gets so easily beaten here is just just like okay you weren't really trying were you medusa yeah I love that. <laughs> we do have um right before this grover getting thrown off she grabs his stick and and basically throws grover into a bear uh-huh um statue yeah and Percy walks up and just basically cuts her head off real easy. Yep. We have a drawn-out fight between Grover and her, but Percy just walks up, and it's just like the first Fury. Yep. He just walks up and just goes, whoop, and vaporizes her. It's, it's a shame they're so vulnerable to these swords. Yep. Oh, well, I mean, and that kind of is the point. It is a magic sword. Yeah. Um. Most most beings are vulnerable to swords. <laughs> Just in general. I, I know you haven't encountered a lot true. of swords, but most yeah. most beings are, in I've, uh, fact, I've rather never, vulnerable to swords. I've never killed anything with a sword. I'll, I'll admit that on this podcast. Yeah, good. Good to know. <laughs> Facts about Chris. <laughs> um, anyway, so cuts her head off. She evaporates into uh, monster dust, uh, but then the head is left. Because it's a spoil of war. It is just and like is how this works. The horn. That's why we got. He had the horn from yes. the Minotaur. Yeah, and uh, they are able to wrap that. Apparently, her head once cut off can still petrify you. So we got to be careful of that. Yeah, don't look at it. So we got to got to wrap that up. And, it's a uh, great spoil, right? Yeah, love love that spoil of war. <laughs> you you can't even you can't even put it on a trophy stand or anything. Yeah, it'd be it'd be like a useful like. Almost like a grenade-type weapon, though. You know, yeah. just, like, don't look at it and chuck it into a room full of bad guys, and they all get petrified. That's yeah. Kind of like, uh, like the chest in the uh, in the last D&D game we did in the uh, Cthulhu one. Yeah, something like that. So, as long as you uh, don't get killed by your own weapon, it works out. Yep. Uh, so, they successfully defeat Medusa. Hooray. They find some old grocery bags laying around and uh, wrap the head up in it. We appreciate your business. Oh, yeah. Uh, Annabeth explains what just happened again. Yep. (laughs) Just being like, 
yeah, that's the issue. Medusa was Poseidon's girlfriend. We have this thing going on. Is this, um... Is this the feud between I mean, Poseidon and, and is, Athena? Is this the only feud? Is there more? Is this... Do you think intended to be a... Is this intended to be a deeper commentary on the relationship between Percy and Annabeth? Because this is kind of a little microcosm of it, where just like... This is this is highlighting their, their thing that they have, of Annabeth being mad at Percy because she's supposed to be Percy not really getting it. Mm-hmm. And then we have this little micro story of Annabeth being like, yeah, uh, your dad defiled Athena's temple. My mom. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, with his girlfriend Medusa, and that's why she got cursed, and that's why we're in this entire mess. Yeah. In the first place, because your dad's dumb. Yeah. So, it's kind of a commentary on their relationship as characters, I yeah, think. a little bit. I mean, because we've had, we have had Percy not understanding this whole time why Annabeth is like, why did it have to be Poseidon? This is so bad. You know, earlier when he... Find, when she finds out, she was like, I assumed it would have been Zeus. Yeah. Um, and then we have the part of the chapter that I really don't understand. I read it six times trying to grasp, the, the to follow this logic train. Uh, so they're talking about this. Uh, they're thinking about making it to LA. And I'm just going to read this word for word. What did Medusa said? Quote, do not be a pawn of the Olympians, my dear. You would be better off as a statue. I got up. I'll be back. And then he goes off and searches the back offices, finds an account book that shows the sale of statues that she's done to the underworld. Uh-huh. And I was just like, I feel like there's a missing paragraph there where he's just like, oh, what did she say? Don't be a pawn of the Olympians. Oh, I need to go look at her account records and see if she's sold anything to Hades. Where did any of that come from? Well, I mean, if if she's saying that he's a pawn of the Olympians, he is obviously going east right now. I mean, west right now, and Hades is in the west. Yeah. So he's obviously going away from Olympus to Hades. Uh-huh. And so she's saying, don't be a pawn of the Olympians. That's just what she's saying. Uh-huh. And he is realizing, you know, oh, maybe, maybe she knows some things about the Olympians, and I should go check her books. Maybe. It just seemed like a massive leap of logic to me that uh, I, don't know. I don't think Either Percy's... that or he just wanted to go be alone for a minute. But yeah, the the, the, the jump from, what did she say? Okay, I'm going to go check her books is a little bit of a weird jump right there, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, uh, and I don't, I don't think Percy's played off as being that smart, so it's weird that he's the one that comes up with this idea. Yeah. Um, well, anyway, she's got lockers of, lockers, she's got lockers, lock- lockers. She's got records of shipments that she's made of these statues to the underworld uh, to decorate Hades and Persephone's garden, uh, which apparently the billing address was DOA Recording Studios in West Hollywood. Yep. Bet that stands for dead on arrival or something like that. Bet it does. <laughs> It'd be weird if it was something completely unrelated. Yeah. Uh, so. Uh, like the Department of Agriculture. We, we might be wrong because <laughs> we, we had talked about the gateway to hades being in like the la river or something like that and that being like the river sticks but it might just be a recording studio it might in hollywood we'll see Mm -hmm. if anybody's ever been to hollywood you'd know that's where hell is (laughs) Um. well it is in hollywood (laughs) they did say la west hollywood's the trendy part (laughs) okay (laughs) whatever um 
And then he rummages through a cash drawer, finds like 20 bucks. Cool. A few drachmas, etc., etc., And packing slips. And he has the brilliant idea. For the Hermes Overnight Express. <laughs> uh-huh. So you package something up, you put this thing on it, label it, and then you drop some coin in the bag and it just disappears. You send it through the hoe. The Hermes Overnight Express. Yep. Got it. Okay. I see what you're saying. Yep. It's an acronym. Don't just ship it. Hoe it. Um. All right. <laughs> yep. Anyway. That's and what he, you should do. And he packages up the head and is going to send this to the gods. Why is he... Well, why do you think he does this? I don't know. I mean, he doesn't want to deal with it. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a dangerous thing for them to take along on their journey. Yeah, to just carry with them for sure. Yeah. So he can't just leave it here where someone's going to find it. Uh-huh. Because some poor mortal is going to get turned into stone. Uh-huh. And so it is a convenient way to get rid of this dangerous item. Yeah. To ship it somewhere. Can't ship it to Camp Half-Blood without, like, a warning label on it. True. So... I mean, if I was just going to send it somewhere, I would send it to the gods. There you go. I would, but I don't know. <laughs> he's uh, he's being impertinent. He says yes. so. I mean, and, and, and Annabeth says they're not going to like that. And he's like, but realistically, what other choice did he have when he had the option to ship this thing somewhere? Yeah. What choice did he have? Like do it like you want you can't carry that with you Uh the next time you get on a bus yeah um speaking of shipping yeah so in the in the last chapter i had brought up uh more of my thoughts on obviously percy and annabeth eventually being a thing um oh you you, that kind of shipping yeah which you (laughs) see that was a great segue um which you disagree with and I was just oh, like... Oh, and it's so much here, and it's yeah. so annoying. Yeah. And I was just like... We're going to argue. We're going to have this stupid little argument. That's why I said after a brief argument with Annabeth in my summary. Yeah. Because um, like, at first, they, like we opened the chapter with them like coming to this moment of being like, okay, well, I guess I don't hate you, you so much. You were stupid for coming back. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I tried anyway. Okay, well, you weren't so bad with a knife. Okay, well, you, you really think so cool. Uh-huh. I'm going to open up to you and talk way too fast in case somebody interrupts me. Yep. Uh, and then they have this old, little spat of, like, uh, I'm saying you're impossible, and he's like, you're insufferable, and this yeah. little, like... So you see where I'm going yeah, with this. Yeah, I see it. <laughs> I don't want it. Uh-huh. Like, do you, do you not want it so badly because it's cliche and obvious? It's annoying. <laughs> They're 12. Yeah. It's annoying. Mm-hmm. Um, Taking like this great adventure book and being like, and we're going to put this little romantic subplot into it because we can't have anything that's just platonic friendships that result in epic battles being won. They have to fall in love. That's what Grover is for. <laughs> um, anyway, they need a new plan and that's where the chapter ends. Is there anything we didn't cover that you'd like to talk about? Um, no, not really. We, we talked about the Gorgons, um, brought them up at least in passing, uh, which is, uh, Medusa and her two sisters, um, who had helped her get into Athena's temple. 
We also have um, the question here of like, wasn't Medusa killed in the in the myth already? Yes, I believe. And then we have like Chiron, who's supposed to be dead. Like, how how do we how are we supposed to hold the myths as true enough to be like these are all real, but also like hold them not true enough that nothing's actually dead? Well. Chiron, we can't talk about, um, I don't think, but I mean, it's the Medusa one's an easy explanation because we've established that like monsters are kind of ideas and like you can dispel them for a while, but they come back. So I'm sure. Yes, but then why are her sisters gone? Because she doesn't talk about losing her sisters more than once. Yeah, I guess that's true. They've been dispelled for eternity. Like, yeah, maybe. Yeah. But like, I didn't have an issue with Medusa coming back after being killed. Um, because the, because the Furies the have. Furies do and like eventually and we know the, the Minotaur is going to yeah. come back eventually yeah maybe there's a way to permanently get rid of them who knows I don't know we'll 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 find out more as we go on yeah sure might be an unanswered question uh, also going to be an unanswered question why are there so many gnomes if we yes have... yes yes okay this is this is <laughs> you brought this up earlier this is the question you asked why if we assume that everything here is like was a critter that got turned into. A statue by medusa it's a gnome emporium that is (laughs) it is a garden gnome emporium or are there just some creatures that she's turned to stone and others that are just actual statues who knows maybe she bought this place when it was a gnome thing and she's just added statues to it but never actually sold any of the original (laughs) gnomes that she bought in this place maybe but like are gnomes just wandering up to Medusa, waving hello, and just getting turned into stone? Is that what all gnomes are? Are all gnomes, like, victims of the Medusa? I don't know. Uh, as far as I know, gnomes aren't a thing in Greek mythology, so it'd be weird to introduce them in this way. Just being like, it oh, is yeah, weird to the- introduce them in this way. <laughs> By the way, gnomes everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. This is a thing, too. Cool. Um, so that's that's a question that's forever going to be un- unanswered. I think the only other thing that I had was, uh, just for funsies, I wanted to draw a parallel between Medusa in this chapter and uh, Jadis. Okay. Yeah, because she tempts them with food, mm. and she's very much this kind of casting this magic allure on the boy uh, um the human li- boy lives in a garden of statues that she's uh, created yeah. from yeah for people yeah i mean and we do have jada's like we i don't think we ever when we were talking about um narnia went i don't think we ever went thoroughly into the parallels between jada's and medusa uh-huh. but we do very much have her being this kind of statue maker monstrous woman uh-huh he's also described as being oh, oh so beautiful and alluring yeah so anyway i thought that was fun i didn't really have anything there i was just like i'm gonna point that out cool yeah no makes sense shall we move on sure what's our next segment kirsten what's your favorite sentence well Read it we, to us. we already covered that um and and just because of context my favorite sentence is those are vegetables <laughs> <laughs> which 10 cans vegetables totally yeah cheese um, enchiladas for sure vegetables yeah aluminum foil uh if i had to pick up a backup sentence behind me i heard a buzzing sound like a 200 pound hummingbird and a nosedive <laughs> <laughs> like, 
absolutely imagine what that sounds like. Yep. So that was my backup. Anyway, what's yours? Mine is, I am impertinent, I said. That would be your favorite sentence. Yep. That's something you would say in real life. Yep. <laughs> Don't be impertinent. I am impertinent. <laughs> Hobby. Duh. Cool. What's our next segment after that? After that, we do our rewrites. Yep. But before that. Cool. So yeah, rewrite time. Hello. Who's going first? Um, uh, me. I guess. Okay. You did your favorite did sentence sum- first, and also your summary yeah. first. So I'll do my first. All right. Would you like to tell me who the uh, perspective is from? We've been guarding, holding our silent vigil over this statuary for years, pleading as silent witnesses to the growing of our numbers. The Medusa. I never expected her to be real, and even if I had believed in her, the story said she was gone. At first, I would try to plead with any newcomers to run, but my face is stone and I will never move again until decay takes part of it. I think my nose will fall off first. But tonight seems different. These must be adventurers, because they know to fear her. I can only describe what I saw as relief. I can rest as a statue forever, knowing these three children have stopped the Medusa from adding more children to this collection. So I will hold my lover here. Mm. So it's one of, the, one of the lover couples that was turned to stone. <sighs> Spooky. Spooky! <laughs> uh, I also did the perspective of a statue. I mean, there wasn't really a whole <laughs> lot of choices in this chapter. There wasn't. Um, I did mine from, pers- from the perspective of the bear, though. Ah, yes. So um, uh, in a different tone. So here is, here is mine. Roar, 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 roar. But you'll translate, of course. Yes, I'm translating okay. from bear speak. Yep, looks like we got more kids in today. Shocker. You wouldn't think the smell of greasy fast food would be that alluring, but uh, what do I know? I've just seen this thing play out uh, about 75 times now. They'll sit down, she'll work her magic on them, and then it's picture time. Oh, boy. And if they're real lucky, they might get uh, might get up and sold and get to spend eternity somewhere that isn't a roadside tourist trap. But, uh, hey. Hey, these ones are at least putting up a fight. That might even kill the old hag and give the rest of us a few months apiece. And, uh, oh, flying shoes, that's new. Ow. If you're gonna hit me, at least do it hard enough so that I break next time. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> that was a depressed bear. I like it. <laughs> I like it. There we go. Cool. Um, do you think the bear saw his uncle get turned into stone? Don't know. That's that's really sad. <laughs> but at least the bear got to witness the uh what's it called when you get someone back for something? Vengeance. Vengeance, vengeance. yes. Yeah. There you go. The vengeance. Got to see that. Exciting. 
Cool. That's your podcast. Indeed. Thank you so much for joining us today as we discussed Chapter 11 of Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief, or just the Lightning Thief. Join us again next week as we read Chapter 12, We Get Advice from a Poodle. I think it's probably going to be Cerberus. Already? You think they're going to make a Del A already? I mean... Because we're only about halfway through still. We got like 10 more chapters in this book. Yeah, so. there are there are 22 chapters in the book, and that'll be chapter 12. Yeah. So I don't know if we're at L.A. already, but... No, they're, they're still not even to... They, they, chapter 16 mentions getting to Vegas. There you go. So they're, they are, they're not there yet. Yeah. So it's not. It's probably not Cerberus. Mm-hmm. Is there some other dog? Poodle that we should be aware of. I don't know. Cool. Oh, well. <laughs> Sounds right. fun. Um, anyway, join us next time as we read that. In the meantime, if you want to support us on Patreon, you can do that at patreon.com slash chroniclypodcast. And if you want to interact with us, you can do that at chroniclypodcast on Facebook and Instagram at chroniclypod on Twitter. Or you can email us your fan art of the statue of a bear catching poor Grover as he falls. And you can do that at chroniclypodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, I was going to say fan art of a double cheeseburger. Ooh, just a double cheeseburger, yeah. <laughs> Or if you want to send us a double cheeseburger in the mail. Oh. <laughs> or you could just like send us 10 bucks on Patreon and we'll go buy it ourselves. We're yeah. really not above that. That's true. <laughs> and until next time, be impertinent. <laughs> and uh, the Take take one that um clean your sword. <laughs> Always clean your sword. Uh, give 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 her a solid hit for Uncle Ferdinand. I don't know. Yep. I didn't I didn't have one ready. All right, being pertinent's too good. You threw me off. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye. More of the series to actually put words, the more words, more words better, good. <laughs> I have acquired a hot cocoa. I've acquired a cold water. Bizarre. Yeah, I drink my water out of cans. What of it? <laughs> death water? What is it? Liquid death. Liquid death. Death water. Death! And Chris does his in a very, uh, what's the word you use? Feelings-based? What is it? Uh, I don't know. I, I, I go for, like, metaphors and themes uh, and, and... Metaphors and themes and... Yeah. Um, it's Grover in time. Uh. Um. Hang on, I'm sorry. I gotta... Finish my hot cocoa. <laughs> Take your hoodie off for that? I'm warm now. <laughs>
Glad you stopped being cold. Proud of you. Right. Effectively uses them pretty well. Effectively, that's a terrible sentence. And you mesknurin gomen miproim. It was a V, it was gobin, not gomen. Gomen. No, that's gomen. <laughs> Unless your book spells it differently. I gotta look it up now. <laughs> Gadaren gomen. Gomen. Yeah, you're right. Yep, 